Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Flames Fancast. Today we're doing something a bit different. Uh, sitting with me today are Brad Easingwood and Chris Lipset, two Oilers fans who currently live in Calgary. Jenk unfortunately isn't with us today, which means that we're recording uh, a bit old school. We have the mic set up with Jenk and he's not here, so uh, we're recording on a laptop. So apologies for the tinny echoey sounds if you experience that hopefully uh though you'll enjoy the show and what we have to do so uh gentlemen thank you very much for coming on we enjoy hearing what you have to say brad how did you become an oilers fan grew up in edmonton watching the oilers all the time you know just yeah growing up in edmonton and chris um yeah born in edmonton moved to calgary when i was pretty young i was eight or so but uh my whole family especially from edmonton is obviously big oilers fans my grandma actually has season tickets since the, the 1979 season, so it uh, goes way back. So my family's you know, sat and enjoyed the glory years from a seat in Northlands Coliseum. And I became a fan in the mid-90s when they were awful. But then Brad Marchand scored that beauty against Dallas, and I uh, sort of started there, and it uh, hasn't stopped. Wow, that's a, that's a, that's a story for sure. So um, before we get into talking about the game last night, what is it like being an Oilers fan in Calgary? It's well, the worst. It's the worst, isn't it? The fans are just awful, man, <laughs> listening to them. Oilers know, fans? Not, no, the Flames fans. <laughs> what do they say? Talking about the Oilers, it's just, I don't know, it's just annoying. Annoying? Yeah. They, they just, they, they say, oh, you're an Oilers fan. How about that draft lottery luck? That's yeah. where it starts yeah. and ends. That's the yeah. only discussion anyone wants to have. And I'm like, yeah, you know, we got Niall Yakupov. That was quite the that was that was quite the draft. Like it's yeah, we got lucky with the draft lottery, but there's plenty more uh, plenty more reasons for why the Oilers are terrible and all that jazz. But we can dig into that later. But yeah, I would say that you don't run into a lot of Calgary fans who are have more than like a skin deep knowledge of the game. I assume it's the same in Edmonton, but there's not a lot of fans who have that that kind of um, ability to really engage you in a, a conversation. Yeah, like you were mentioning when you were coming over here, driving over, you were listening to NHL radio, and there was the guy you don't know who it was on NHL radio, but you said that he prefers Austin Matthews over Connor McDavid. It's 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 kind of ridiculous. And that's um, <laughs> like here's like Connor McDavid. Connor David is in this like Lemieux, Gretzky, Howe like class of players. Like he's he's like pretty much a lock for the Hall of Fame already. Like Austin Matthews is in that like Joe Sackick, Brendan Shanahan like like tier. Like he's a fantastic player. Like he, he's he, he's, he, he's definitely one of the best players in the league. But he's a franchise player, but he's not a generational. Exactly, player. exactly. Like I'm not trying to diss Austin Matt. Like he's a Joe Sackick. He's, he's a good player. A, he's a fantastic player, but but he's no Connor McDavid is a step above that. And but I mean, Toronto's probably a better team than Edmonton, so people just take the best player on a team, and then they decide that person is the only point of reference for a team. So because the Maple Leafs are better than the Oilers in a lot of people's minds, they just say, "Well, Matthews must be better than McDavid." The game last night, about five minutes left in the third period. How are you feeling? Uh, five minutes left in the third period. So that was, what was that? Was six five, six, six five, five at that point. I wasn't real. I was sort of doing the. So after ten years of losing, and then one good year, I still have that ability to just 
detach from everything. So that's basically what I was doing. Like I was just like getting ready to like go into that old habits of like, well, you know, I, I love this team, but you know, I just, uh, I just, I just can't, I can't care anymore. So that's where I was. <laughs> you were not surprised at all. Is what you're saying? Oh no! Well, I was surprised. Like I, I, but. Yeah, it was just like, well, uh, well, this is here we go again. I started, you know, googling Rasmus uh, uh, Deline highlights and uh, thought about, well, maybe maybe five lottery wins will be what what it takes. I feel like the Oilers <laughs> are one of those teams, you know, like it's six one, you never really count them out. The game's going to be either, you know, they're down six one, they can come back, or if they're up six one, they can let in like seven goals and lose the game. Yeah, it was. There were some hairy moments there, and I mean. As a Flames fan, you were kind of despondent at the end of the second. There were some, I mean, uh, uh, we had a really bad game defensively, obviously. Mike Smith wasn't at his best. Um, we had that four-minute power play where part of it was a four-on-three, and then part of it was a five-on-four where we didn't score. Um, on that disallowed goal from the Oilers, they just they, they just entered our zone so easily, and Stajan was just, outmaneuvered by the other players and they get to the front of the net and then they have chances and they, they get they get opportunities like that. And we just, we weren't good enough defensively, especially looking at the games that Brody and Hamilton had. Not great, and, but I guess everyone's entitled to a bad game every now and then. Even Chris Russell. <laughs> who also uh, fell on, what goal was it? I forget. That was, was that either the fourth? I think or the, the fourth. Yeah, yeah. It, was the fourth. it was a Bennett goal. But, uh, Talbot and Brassois, the Brassois came over to Edmonton in the in the what trade was it? That was uh, Stales? That Smead. Was it Smead or Stales? I, I think I think Smead? it was the Smead trade. Because it was, yeah, I think so. Never thought this guy'd be your backup. Well, he's he has okay, not great AHL numbers, like like the kind of numbers that say you should get a shot at a backup. But uh, his NHL numbers are pretty scary and. How many of those goals, even from a Flames fan perspective, last night, where you were like, "Oh, those were those were good quality goals." Well, there, I know that one that Smith let in <laughs> um, the bounce off the board rebound for PRV, his goal, Bennett's goal. A couple of them were nice shots, but I mean, well, which Bennett goal? The first the, one wasn't good. Yeah. The second one, the one where he where Russell fell over. Yeah, that was a nice shot. Yeah. At but that point, I think Brassois. I don't like, even remember the first Bennett goal. The Goudreau like, goal was just it was kind like of the Goudreau goal, both like Goudreau the same and, and, yeah, and Bennett was like the same angle. Shots like from the red line that just found or the like, goal line that just yeah. found a way through. Like yeah, they were really tight. Those can't happen. Like an NHL goalie can't let those in. So well, NHL goalies have bad nights too. It's true. It wasn't a night for goaltending. There was that Montreal game that was ten one, and there was that Calgary game that was seven five. And I know Riddick had that stop the puck behind the net, and the Oiler guy picked it up and then just put it in the yeah, empty cage. Yeah, that was cage. a gift. So that that goal ended up being the game winning goal yeah. in the end. I guess what I'm thinking is I don't think either coach is. I don't know if they're both practicing today or not, but I, I doubt either coach is sitting there thinking, "Wow, that was a gem last night." And I think both of them are pretty disappointed with the overall efforts of their teams. I mean, that's I mean, the first two periods the Oilers played pretty good. Yeah, the third period, no, but. Coaching decisions, I I highlighted a specific point for Calgary where it was after, in the second period, they had three breakaways. Like, no, if you even give up one breakaway, it's usually a huge kind of defensive breakdown, but the Flames gave up three. After the second breakaway and the whistle goes, I think that's the time where you you call your timeout and you're like, you know, gentlemen, what what is going on out there? Um, Why on earth 
are we giving up these plays and how come this is happening? Get your heads in the game. Let's focus. This is the Battle of Alberta. We got some pride at stake here. Gillison didn't do that. And I know you might be um, mentioning some coaching decisions about McClellan yourself or other ideas, but I think that game from both sides was poorly coached. Well, I think McClellan most of the time does the right thing. Like, I don't think McClellan is an outstanding coach. He's sort of like... Sort of like a seven out of ten, everything. Like he, <laughs> he, he has a couple blind spots, like Eero Pakarinen, who Peter Schilderelli had to send to the AHL to stop him from playing. Um, but last night, uh, I thought he should have maybe called a timeout earlier during that uh, Lauren Brassois uh, meltdown. But uh, other than that, I'm not sure how much of how much of that uh, loss or uh, comeback you can really pin on him. Ah. Uh. I just think it was one of those games, and particularly the Flames going down so much and seeing that kind of fluky goal or bad goal or not even garbage goal, just a poor poor goal. So many of them going in is just kind of precipitated to leading to the scoreline that there was. But uh, from the Flames side, I mean, lucky for you, we still have Brower on our first line uh, power play unit. Mm-hmm. Hasn't had a goal since March. That's doing the rounds today. On the first line... Power play unit hasn't scored since March. It's December third. Yeah, today. they're just trying to get him going. You know? Yeah, fire him give, up. Give him those minutes. <laughs> he'll get a goal eventually. Will he score before twenty eighteen? Sorry, twenty seventeen is out. I don't know. I don't think so. But maybe we have a couple more games against Arizona in that in that setup, and uh, someone gives him a penalty shot or <laughs> someone throws his stick at him or something like that. So he's got what two more years after this? Yeah, I'm afraid so. Yeah, that's. Uh... It's probably a contender for one of the worst contracts in the league. Well, we had um, a guy on from Vancouver, and they've got Louis Erickson. And we wondered who's worse, Troy Brower or <laughs> Louis Erickson, right? Especially since Louis Erickson came in, supposedly to play on that first line with the Sedins, and then just absolutely you know, shit the bed. Like, he's absolutely terrible. And right now he's on the long-term injury reserve, but still... I don't know. <laughs> As a general rule, just don't sign anyone unless you know they're an all-star who's over 30. It's, it, you're you're going to lose more than you're going to win. Yeah. Well, the Flames, I think, historically over the past, ever since the big lockout in 2005 or in 2004, they've made those um, older veteran signings that started with Tony Amante, and we've had ones like <laughs> Jeff Friesen come in. Oh, yeah. um, Owen Nolan. Oh yeah, we've we've had our our share of the old guys coming through, but oh, uh, yeah. So let's say that in the reverse fixture, um, which was in October, early October, uh, the game was in Edmonton. What's what's the situation like there? Like, what's it? What what could a Flames fan expect going to a game in Edmonton? Like like as the team or like you you you're a, a, you're a fan. And you, you go to, to Edmonton to watch the game. Um, what is What are you expecting from your interaction with other Oilers fans? Bunch of drunk rig pigs talking <laughs> shit about you. <laughs> like, um, yeah, I, like, I, mean, I like to sit here and think that us Oilers fans are classier and more morally upstanding than playing fans. But no, Edmonton's full of idiot hockey fans, just like Calgary is. So if you, if you put a Flames jersey on and walk into Rogers Place, you're going to get a bunch of... Idiots just talking shit to you. It's, I think yeah. that it's a bit, it, it's a bit different because there's definitely more people from Edmonton who live in Calgary 
who go to the games here than vice versa. Yeah. There's less people who live, uh, who are who are who have lived in Calgary and then moved to Edmonton and then go to yeah. the games. So you've got more of a a homogeneous group of Oilers fans in in um, in Edmonton, and you see that a lot for any game that, that Calgary plays. Really, like the Toronto game, there's a lot of Toronto fans there. I don't think that's the case in, in many other cities. Maybe with Vancouver being the exception because Vancouver really struggles to sell out their building, but. Um, <laughs> they do. It's true. Vancouver's not a great sports town. No, it's too well, nice. They have the Whitecaps. They're all right. Yeah. In general, if general it's soccer. The wet, when the nicer the weather is, the worse of a sports town it is. It's sort of a general rule. Like go like Miami, unless it's a huge city like L.A. or something like that. It just if it's nice and there's things to do outside, your teams probably aren't good. Probably not. That's a good rule, you know. Sports in the That's Caribbean why they were not so big. A following out in Saskatchewan. <laughs> well, that's the all there is weather. out there. The terrible weather. Yeah. Maybe that's the case for the Jets. You know, people yeah, love the Jets. Exactly. Nothing else out there. But really, I mean, what else is there in wintertime in Calgary? There's the Flames. There's there's the Cross, but there's just the Flames. <laughs> exactly. The Cross advertised their things by saying, come for the party, stay for the game. That's their actual line. <laughs> <laughs> like, people in the yeah, I know, but I mean, it's kind of disparaging to the sport. I think like you, you've you've degraded yourself to the point of saying we're partying, and then as a side note, there's a lacrosse game going on. Well, Anyhow, that's that's a story for another not time. Not only get people to watch baseball, <laughs> cheap hot dogs. Yeah, no, they usually for baseball, it's like the first ten thousand people get a bobblehead or a t-shirt or something, right? And you're like, ooh, a bobblehead. Yeah, I got to go to the game now. Yeah, I need to go. <laughs> I need to go get that bobblehead. Do the the Okotoks dogs? They do a bobblehead night. I don't know. I but I mean, do we even have a team here anymore? Mm. Calgary Cannons left. That's it. Cannons are gone. Vipers are gone. It's I think, Vipers are gone. Yeah, that uh, Burn Stadium just sits there. It probably gets used for high level minor baseball because I've yeah. never seen a game there in what, five years. Oh, I haven't seen a game since before the millennium. Well, I meant like literally saw an event going on there five years. I haven't been in the stadium since I was like 10. <laughs> oh, baseball was always good though. The rivalry, uh, definitely still alive and kicking. But, you know, I made a point a few podcasts ago about how Calgary's rivalry with um, Edmonton and Vancouver, it, it will shift because it, it always seemed like you know, both of those teams, Calgary was always the team who had the primary rivalry with either one of those two teams because they were the second best team in the BC Alberta region. Either Edmonton or Vancouver was really, really bad at certain times, and then Calgary kind of had the rivalry with the better team. But now it definitely looks like it's it's an Edmonton Calgary thing again. Vancouver, kind of a side note, they're having a good season, but still. Do you think that Edmonton has a rivalry with anyone else as, as they do with Calgary? I don't think anything is quite the same as the Edmonton-Calgary game. I mean, yeah. I mean, Edmonton fans think there's a Toronto rivalry and there was a Dallas Stars rivalry, but that was more of a lawnmower and, and grass rivalry between uh, the Oilers and, and the Stars way back when. So there's definitely a couple teams when, when they play, I go, oh man, it's going to be like that. And it's, uh, I mean, they always lose to the Islanders, they always lose to the Stars, but uh, it's definitely Calgary is the, is the one you circle on your calendar because you know it's, it's one of those games where what's going on with the rest of the season doesn't really matter. It's it's probably going to be something crazy. It's an event in and of itself. Yeah. yeah. There was someone I met uh, on Friday night. I was out at Bridget, actually, and uh, McDavid and Lucic were there, ironically. Yeah. 
I didn't send them enough booze, I'm afraid. Drinking their green teas and No, they were drinking wine for sure. They were they weren't uh, going easy either. But I, I was gonna mention it if uh if we had if the Flames had ended up winning yeah. that uh oh boy, what a ma- mistake you've made, especially since you know, being a being a team that has a losing record, I don't really know if you wanna be that public with your quote unquote partying. But uh they didn't really seem to care. I guess not if you have sign a contract like that for that long yeah i'd say mcdavid is absolutely bulletproof I, he could, <laughs> yeah. could shoot a guy on first avenue and i don't think anyone would be really too upset with him but there shoot was a, there was a no no he'd get in trouble in calgary uh, probably Not there, were, there was a pair of uh, people there at the restaurant with us um and they had come from california and boston to see this game, like it was a real highlight for them. They said, I really wanted to see the Battle of Alberta. I wanted to see Calgary play Edmonton live. And they, they just come specifically for that. I mean, they were going to Banff as well and they yeah. spend Saturday in the town checking things out. But I thought that was really, really cool that even some people from California and Boston were so involved in hockey and, and, and pinpointed this rivalry as one that they'd want to see. Because you, you, you might think Boston has its own rivalries and LA and Anaheim or LA and San Jose might have big games, but they came here to see... The Battle of Alberta, so well, we must have a lot of a lot of pull. Well, both both Probably Calgary, in the yeah, both Calgary and Edmonton, because they were have had several stretch. Well, I guess Edmonton had one giant stretch, and Calgary's had a couple stretches of really good play. That they're they're one of those teams that have attract interest from from other markets, like. Uh, you know, there's in, in Toronto or Boston, like 90% of the people are going to be the home team. There's always those couple people who are just like, I don't want to be, a, I don't want to cheer for the local team. I want to pick someone else. So Edmonton and Calgary were pretty attractive options, especially in the, the mid 80s and, and some of the 90s. So it's not that surprising, but uh, it is impressive to see someone like be so into that fandom that they're going to fly 3,000 kilometers away to Calgary in the middle of November. Yeah. No, I, I agree completely, and the, the weather is relatively mild for their trip here, but uh, it could have been a lot worse, <laughs> especially coming from California. <laughs> that's, uh, that's commitment for sure, so on the odd chance that you listen to this, you know who you were. <laughs> but yeah, they helped, uh, they got my attention when they heard me saying, I think I saw Lucic in the bathroom, and then he turned to me and said, oh, that's McDavid there too, and then. <laughs> I got a picture on my phone. It's really grainy, but it's him leaning back. He's there. Nice and stalkerish. Yeah. I was going to say, go over and, and take one, but I just couldn't I couldn't bring myself to do it. I just, so no. This is the, the Hockey TMZ podcast now? Or? Yeah. God, it's, that's, what, that's what it's become. <laughs> but uh, any other points on the game? Um, well, I think... Edmonton can build off it because, uh, as we alluded to earlier, the first 40 minutes was a really effective game. I mean, some of the goals were a little fluky, but but Edmonton was carrying the play for, for a great deal. Um, so if you can focus on those first 40 minutes, uh, maybe there's uh, something you can salvage out of the season, even though there are some pretty bad injuries right now. So I think there's some positives to take from it if you're an Oilers fan. And, and I yeah. think the, the problem, too, for the Flames is we've seen that kind of not all mentally engaged in the game like we did with the Oilers all too often this season because we don't really know what kind of team is going to come out. Are they going to be dialed in? Are they going to be playing hard? Are they going to be chasing down those loose pucks and being defensively responsible? But 
that wasn't what happened. It just seemed we had that lack of focus in the Oilers. They took advantage of that and uh, scored a, a bucket load of goals, uh, which would be about six, I'm afraid. Seven. One was actually. in the empty net. It was an empty net. Wasn't it? Brody tipped it in. <laughs> oh, God. Don't remind me. I hate that goal. Oh, that was brutal. I thought it was empty net. I just thought... I, anyhow. No. No, we didn't even have a chance to pull the goalie. Ryan Nugent Hopkins <laughs> floating one into the middle and TJ Brody. I mean, that's terrible luck. I mean, yeah. you hit that puck 99 times out of 100 and he knocks into the corner and it's a strong play. It's not like Russell two days ago who whiffs on the puck twice and then spins and slams it into his own net. Yeah, well, he had a little pirouette fall too. which uh, <laughs> He's just trying to score goals. Yeah. Just, just 200 NHL points, plus, plus one for that own goal, own goal action. But I know you wanted to talk about your GM, Peter Chiarelli, and uh, your opinions of him, I'm assuming, aren't that great, because I've written down here, and this was your words exactly, the crimes of Chiarelli. So fill us in on that briefly, what, that, what that's exactly done, I'm assuming, in terms of your development. So, okay. So Peter Chiarelli was handed the reins... And was given this this absolutely golden ticket. Like Connor McDavid is is a. Well, you saying the Oilers before Connor McDavid was a golden ticket? No, but he got hired after the draft lottery. So he's coming into a job where he's got this franchise that's been pretty bad, but has stockpiled some pretty decent assets, and is about to get the most valuable piece in the NHL. So basically, you draft that for the next twelve to fifteen years, you've got your elite number one center. So he's he's. Any GM, other than the ones maybe in Pittsburgh or something, would be like, wow, this is, this is a, a, a great job. Like, this should be relatively easy to take this team and turn it into a perennial contender like, like a Pittsburgh has done. Like Toronto is, looks like they're on the edge of doing. So, but what he's done is he's just pissed away assets. Like, he started with 2015, aside from... Connor McDavid was one of the deepest drafts in in a long time. And just look at the look at the top fifteen from that draft now, and you you see some of the, the the stars of the NHL right now. So he trades two of those a uh, first round and an early second away for Griffin Reinhardt. <laughs> and uh, pop quiz for where he is right now. He's sitting in the Las Vegas Knights AHL team. He played like forty games for the for the Oilers or something like that. And to Add insult to injury, that 15th pick he traded away is Matt Barzell, who is almost a point-of-game player for the New York Islanders right now, playing on Jordan Everlay's line. So the next season rolls around, and he goes, what, what do I need to do? I need to, I need to tighten up our defense. I know half our team was hurt last season, but I need to change this thing around. So he trades Taylor Hall, who might be a top-five left wing in the NHL, for Adam Larson. Now, Adam Larson is a pretty good player, but you don't trade away maybe a top five uh, left, winger. left winger for, I mean, to be charitable, what in the, if, where would you put Adam Larson in the, in the list of right defenders in the NHL? I, I wouldn't. Is, is, he, is, is he top 30? No. Is he top 50? If you, uh, the better question to ask would be, where would I put him in the flames? Like, where would he go above those players? And I'm, probably, I'm saying in the 5-6 pairing. I mean, he'd probably be battling Hamannick for that for that uh, second pairing. I mean, Hamannick's had a struggle, but regardless, like Taylor Hall is in the Johnny Gaudreau class of players. Would you trade Johnny Gaudreau for Adam Larson? No, no. I mean, that's but there was other issues with that. 
like Taylor Hall. I still don't some think, locker room stuff. I still don't think about. that you you trade that. that. I think that's a bad trade for Edmonton, but I mean, you know, yeah. it's a good trade for the Flames. But you're you have to pay a lot for defensemen. Like but that's just you? the league. What what is the league? What did the what did the Calgary Flames pay for Travis Hamonic? Well, they gave like a second and a third, I think. No, a first, a first, a first and a second. A first and a second. Oh, okay, I. Who do you think got better value there? Well, we don't know what those picks are going to be yet. Yeah. But the, the the answer, I mean, I think it's pretty clear. You would rather keep you, Taylor Hall and give ra- a yeah. first and a second. Again, Taylor Hall is one of those rare players who can who can carry a line by himself. He can drive offense by himself. And Adam Larson's a tough, strong player. But well, you know what though, Edmonton's kind of they're 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 screwed by their golden handcuffs in this case because their first round pick is the first overall. <laughs> can't trade that one away. Well, you can. Uh, yeah, but you you mean you 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 wouldn't, right? Well, no not one if would. It's you, you'd get fired right away if you. No one, the ownership wouldn't let you do that. Yeah. If you get good value, they'd let you trade it away. Yeah, but not the, the first overall pick. When was the last time we ever saw one of those traded? I can't remember it ever happening. First well, overall like, pick. But if you get good value, like why not make the trade? Nobody, nobody, you can't, nobody has the balls to make a trade like that. You can't get good value on a first overall pick because there's a chance that it's going to be a franchise player. Like it, this Rasmus Dallin guy this year looks like he could be the next Carlson or, or Doughty, like that number one guy who just Defense who takes yeah. takes thirty minutes every game and just he carries that. So Arizona, here I come. There you go. And then he traded Jordan Everly so he could make room for Chris Russell who. <laughs> is a wonderful player. Well, Jordan Everly isn't fantastic in New York. He's not exactly setting the world on fire. But if you keep losing value with your trades, you're going to go broke. So you're going broke? The, the, the Peter Chiarelli has an established track record of losing trades with high-skilled players. If you look at like the top 30 in scoring in the NHL right now, I think there's about five players on that list that Peter Chiarelli traded. I can go down the list if anyone really wants to hear, but it's Blake Wheeler, Tyler Sagan, Taylor Hall, Phil Kessel. Not just in Edmonton. Not just in Edmonton. This is a, he's continued this from his Boston days. He didn't learn from the mistakes he made there, and he's doing the same thing here. And Boston went from a powerhouse to now their bubble team? Yeah. Well, Tuka Rask isn't playing very well. Yeah. I mean, if you're being outshone by Anton Hudobin... <laughs> Things have really gone gone sour for you. So I, I could rant about the crimes of Peter Chiarelli all day, but I don't think anyone wants to hear that anymore. So Flames fans, just know that our GM, he's, he's doing a good job for a living. Nice, nice work. Nice work. Yeah, I mean, he's got... Yeah, you like Brian I mean, Burke? Well, we have... Uh, Brian Burke is a, is a giant mystery. Like, what does Brian Burke do? Who knows? Where does he play in? Doesn't tie his he tie. Finds a tie and puts it around his collar. And, and I mean, and I think socks. we talked about this in the very first episode, but on the Flames website, Brian Burke is listed before Trelevin. If that means anything to you, if you're like looking at management portfolios, Brian Burke's is there first, and then yeah. Trelevin. So whatever president of hockey operations is, whatever that means, Brian Burke uh, is that embodiment for the Calgary Flames. But, uh, I think he's in charge of saying silly things to the media, so I, I they do talk think, about that instead of anything else. I do think he's a bit of a, a pawn in that sense, where they wheel him out when they need something to be said. Like We never wanted to say this, so Brian Burke, we had him say it for us, yeah. and now we're saying it wasn't us. <laughs> Threaten to leave the city, we'll get Brian Burke to do that. Yeah, yeah well, he's, 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 he's good for that, right? He's good for that. 
Um, you mentioned that the game had given you kind of a glimmer of hope. Uh, where do you think the Oilers will finish the season in the Pacific? 11th? 10th? You can't finish Pacific. 11th in the Pacific. In the Pacific. Oh, oh, and, oh, sorry, that I'm in the West. Um, I could see them getting to 5th or 6th. I think a miracle. It would take a miracle to get them into the top three to get them into playoffs. So uh, above above them is I think L L A, Las Vegas, but, Calgary, and Vancouver. How many points on the playoff spot are they right now? Are they that far out? They're five out of a playoff spot. So that's not that crazy to come out. When when there's three point games though, it's hard to make up. For it, it is hard. Yeah, it's very. I mean the. The, the the various betting sites are, are putting their odds at like twenty percent to make the playoffs. Mm, low. And that so well, they gave them like the second best odds to make the Stanley Cup yeah. at the start of the year. So I, I think the odds, was odds on. I think the Oilers were well, it was either Oilers or Leafs were favorites to win the cup at some point. But those are people like those are betting sites kind of playing the field to yeah. see what kind of Toronto and Oilers fans they can get to nibble on that. Exactly. One. And then, uh, oh, I'll take the Oilers at uh, minus eight hundred to win the cup. Yeah, that's that's an eight hundred dollar payout for a hundred bucks. There you go. So uh, when they win it, I'll be laughing all the way to the bank. But uh, they dug a they dug a very big hole, and you know, yeah, they have Connor McDavid who could win twenty games in a row for them, but that's a lot to ask. Yeah, well, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be difficult, I think, because. The specific division, they can surprise you at any given moment. Like you, you play L.A., you play San Jose, you play Anaheim. You, you never know how those games are going to go for you. And I know California road trips for the Flames, they're always, they can be either really good or really bad. But you broke the curse. You can win in Anaheim now. We did, yeah, we did. That was, that was supposed to be our launching point for the season, but then we had a bit yeah, of struggles. Broke the curse without Getzlaff and uh, Corey Perry, I think. Right? That was like the second game of the season. They were all there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kessler wasn't. I think he's a... Kessler's a scumbag. They're all scumbags from Anaheim. They are all. Anaheim just produces scumbags. They do. They're just scumbags in general. Um, any final notes on Flames-Oilers rivalry? Flames-Oilers fans? Flames-Oilers in general? I just... I really hope that Edmonton... For the sake of the rivalry, I hope Edmonton can, can get it together because it's a lot of fun when both... Both Calgary and Edmonton are are are, are in it because yeah. those, the those games, games actually mean something. The games are so passionate. Like yeah. even even when it's the Oilers are in last place, it's still fun to play the Flames. But mm. it, a Flames Oilers playoff series that'd be something. Hey? Oh, we were yeah yeah. I mean, we, we almost had we're, one in '06, and we were, we were close last we were year. Close last year too. But I, I mean, I'd love to see it. At the same time, I might lose some friends if that ever happens. <laughs> Gotta, you gotta. Yeah, I don't think I could talk to you during. That <laughs> you gotta watch the game separately on those ones. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's, it's a tough one, but uh, it's always good to talk to you know passionate hockey fans with with the brain. It's not just you know tuned for violence. Um, definitely, definitely appreciate having you guys on, having the ability to talk about this, uh, having a rivalry such as where people from California and Boston want to come and see that kind of game. I think that really. Um, adds to the experience for the fans. So hey, thanks so much for coming here. If we uh, when we play again, maybe in in March or April, we'll, we'll have you back on. Or if there's by some chance a playoff series, we might we might do that too. <laughs> if you make second and third, it, it could be uh, right out of the gun. Got to avoid those wild card spots because then you're playing a team in the, probably in the Central Division. But they might even get all 
two wild card spots anyhow. But probably. Well, again, thanks so much. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Any any closing notes? Was good. Johnny Gaudreau is a whiner, and that shouldn't have been a four-minute penalty last night. He's bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's blood. <laughs> there was a time uh, last night I was screaming at the TV. Lucic like boarded Kachuk, and nothing got called. He just two hands shoved him from behind straight into the boards, and I'm just like, come on. But <laughs> yeah, you made a point to too. On. Like the refs non-call and McDavid at the end there. I just want to go home with 30 seconds. It, it goes both ways. So I think the refs really let them play at the end there. They just kind of they just put the whistles away and said just go for it. So it's good to see that in December sometimes. Anyhow, thanks so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back in about a week. Talk about the usual flames, usual game analysis, and the woes or happiness of being a Flames fan. Have a good December. Enjoy the weather. Take care. Bye-bye.